everybody. Welcome back to another episode of God Built This Podcast. I'm your host, Maxine, and we're on episode 242. Asian people are just like us. <laughs> Obviously, no, um, I'm being funny right now. I just want to say I absolutely love the show Beef on Netflix. And you got to say it like that, Beef. First, I was like, what the fuck is this? A show about road rage? Really? Is that serious? Like, for me, when I'm on the road, I will get annoyed with some drivers. um, But I just don't take it as far as some other people would. Like, I just don't really care that that much. I remember one time I was in Boston and I was on my way to the mall in Brantree and this I don't know if I was driving slow because so, sometimes it'd be my fault that, that's and that's why I don't get annoyed that <laughs> sometimes I'm really the one at fault like okay I'm driving too slow or um which something I don't really do that often which is something that I'm working on now but either I'm driving too slow or I didn't turn properly or whatever it is but Anyway, I was on my way to the mall in Boston one time, and I forget what I did wrong, but I know it was on me, and <laughs> the guy cut me off, and I'm like, really? So I, I just, because he cut me off so abruptly that I honked at him, and not only did he cut me off, he stick out his middle finger from the driver's side and just held it. <laughs> to make sure I saw it. <laughs> and I was just like, my God, today, and it was a black man. I, I know a black finger when I see one. And I know the built of a black man's finger. It was, he was like brown skin, black man. Yeah, so whatever, that doesn't matter. But the point is, I just, I was so taken aback. Like, oh my gosh, nigga, what? And like, obviously, he could see that I'm a woman, right? So I just find it so strange how people could get so 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 angry and not consider the fact that hey you know what she's a lady let me just relax you know it's one thing to be mad at another bitch right another woman you know another nigga and you're a man right but like to be a man and want to attack a woman so intensely is just an it's another type of anger that I don't want to unlock. And so it's like, all right, man, you got it. <laughs> you got it. There was another time I was driving in Boston. Oh my gosh. Um and I was just on the local road in Dorchester and this guy he just cut me off. Like he just he was already driving strangely. And I was just trying to, like, okay, just stay on my lane. And he just came up from the cut and cut me off. So I honked at him. I guess I need to stop honking, right? Even if they're in the wrong. Like, that time I was totally innocent. That um, He was in the wrong. So not only did I honk at him, um, I just honked at him. Like, dang, really? Like, you know, I just honked. Um... Y'all, he stopped his car. He stopped his car. He got out his car. 
and this is a nigga that like a like a street dude skinny um you could tell he wasn't all the way he probably was high off of some just weed probably i don't know but nonetheless i've seen men like him before so his aesthetic definitely made me feel like okay he's this type of guy he got out the car and was like pointing towards his waist <laughs> as if to make it clear I got that I got that on me you know what I'm talking about I got that gun on me you know honk me again type of thing so like he was like doing these like gestures while he was out the car yelling at me I'm in my car I still have to drive no no, no. actually at this point we're at a red light y'all my doors were locked thankfully they always are locked, but, you know, sometimes your doors will act different. I don't know. But nonetheless, my doors were locked, and I'm trying to remain calm and cool and collected because I've always learned at a young age you have to be calm in stressful situations because typically the other person would try to use that to their advantage if you're not calm. They will feel even more empowered falsely, but still – nonetheless more empowered to continue to be the villain in that in that moment so I was scared out of my mind but I just looked at him and I looked away and I stayed looking away but I caught the moments when he was being verbally aggressive and insinuating that he got that thing on him and he was wearing this white beater um acid wash jeans looking disheveled already driving this old town's car and I'm like wow this could really like in an instant that moment like if I was like really much of a like a street type of person or like I but you know if I just didn't really give a fuck and you know you're not gonna talk to me like that you know I could have been dead like I could have like something as silly as cutting someone off and as silly as road rage could lead and have led to many people's deaths like it's not something to take lightly so yeah like I've been in some situations like that that made me realize that dang road rage is nothing to be played with I just try like yes I'll still honk here and there but like I'm not gonna chase you down I don't even do the whole eye contact thing you know people be like they'll slowly pull up next to you after you cut them off and y'all end up at the same light and they just look at you they purposely slow down and look at you or if we're at a stop sign, if we're at a stop sign and say if you went a little bit earlier, you know, you went at a time when it wasn't supposed to be a turn. You know, everyone has their turn to go. And as they're driving by across your car, they're slowly, purposely, slowly driving by to make eye contact. I What I do, and I know this probably grinds their gears, and I do it for that, for that pleasure, I purposely ignore it. Like, I just don't even, I look straight ahead. I, I look so robotic. 
Um, I don't make eye contact. I don't, I don't turn my head and look at them. No, I look straight and I don't look, I purposely don't look at them as they're purposely driving slowly, making eye contact with me. I don't look at them just today, just today, earlier today, I was driving through some street in Houston and you know, you know, what's so interesting whenever you're driving through a a university campus right across is the project (laughs) it's like some low income very um unesthetically pleasing home um or styles of homes right across this prestigious university it's just very ironic So, so according to my gps i had to cross through a street that was in the projects. So I'm like, really? And it was just a quick turn, but I had to cross nonetheless. So I've been saying nonetheless, huh? Um, so I crossed through and we're at a stopping point, but there's no stop sign, but it's still common courtesy that you stop because cars could come up at any point. So I always stop and look both ways. The guy, and it was definitely my turn to drive first, but the person on my left who was crossing me kept going. And I'm like, he like he literally never stopped. He didn't do the whole courtesy four-stop car thing that cars are supposed to do, regardless of there being a stop sign. He never stopped. So as I'm... Has I has and it was my right away, so I was trying to go, but you clearly see that he's driving, he's still driving, and he's accelerating at this point. And it's like, okay, really? So I slow down because I'm not trying to get an accident and having to come out the car in this area. So I slow down, let him go, and he purposely is driving slow. Because he wants to make eye contact with me to kind of probably tell me off and be verbally aggressive. And my ass, hey, you know, what you got to do for protection, self-preservation is what I just do is just look straight ahead. Don't make eye contact. Don't give them the pleasure of engaging, like literally disengage. Like, you know what? You got to drop your car off to your girl at unit four. I'm just driving by, okay? I can't relate, you know? So at that point, you know, when I think about road rage, I think about, like, is this really that serious? And oftentimes it's not. Most of the time, if not all, it's not. Anyway, so when I was watching the trailer of Beef on Netflix, I was just like, I don't know, really? Do I really want to watch this show about road rage? Like, it's really that deep. Oh, my God. Like, it was just, I didn't know that it, it could have been as good. Not even good as an understatement. It's amazing, you guys. It's a really thought-provoking um, heartstring provoking, like it's so well done and it's so visually captivating. I love something that just looks good, you know, just the aesthetic, like the aesthetic alone, the styling, the, the lights, 
just the capture of different scenes is just is beautiful to look at. That's how good the show is um, visually. And for the writing to be, if like, better, it's better than the visual. It's so well done. So, yeah, so it was more than just a show about road rage and having your revenge on the person who cut you off and going out of your way to avenge your honor or whatever it is. It's really a, a path that you go down on <laughs> you don't want no it's a path that leads you to self-discovery emotions and the fleeting of emotions this capture of a false sense of security this is a character named amy who she is she works really really hard and i still don't know what she does but she's like in this corporate world she works for this Home Depot-esque type of company, and she's the face of it. And the, the job is very tiresome that she is solely uh, the breadwinner of her, of her household. Her husband is the child of an art-rich family. And so he was born into money. He always had money. He lived a comfortable life his whole life. And so he's a Nepo baby, and he, he does art work as well. But he doesn't have a career of his own or one that is profitable, at least. Um, the pieces that he makes aren't really selling. And so for her, she wears the, the responsibility of being the sole provider of her household and they both share a child together. So it's just, I don't want to say too much, but I think it, what I really want to talk about the fact that depression is more than just this idea of, Oh, you're isolating yourself. You're, you're being quiet. You're not doing things that you love. And it's, it looks different for everybody. You know, sometimes with depression, it could be you not controlling your emotions and it manifesting into these angry outbursts and you putting more energy into things that are silly, like road rage and going out of your way to seek revenge against the person who cut you off on the road. Um, and so this character, Amy, she has depression. She has depression. She's depressed about what life is and this security that she's supposed to feel, but she doesn't feel in the world that she created for herself and her family. Like she was supposed to feel fulfilled and happy and she loves her child, but she doesn't feel that fulfillment from being a mother. Her career is very tasking and, or taxing, sorry. Her career is very taxing and she doesn't feel the relief that she quote unquote should feel because she is a millionaire. She makes a lot of money from the career that she has. Uh, she was on this panel 
with her, like with other distinguished women. And she's talking about how like you can't have it all. And this is, this is, um, you know, you can't have a happy home and a happy relationship and a thriving career. You can't have it all. And it's very evident that's, that that's a lie. That is not true. She, you can't. <laughs> and there's, there's been so many people like in real life who said that. One who I could think of right now, Bethany Frankel. I remember when she was married for a freaking day and a half. It was, that marriage was so, was so short. But Bethany Frankel, for those who may not know, she was a reality show a star from Real Housewives of New York City. And she started off as the broke housewife, but then became this self-made millionaire with her brand, uh, Skinny something, uh, something called Skinny Margarita, something like that. And um, she, yeah, she is, she's making bank. And she, while, and so while she was in her, her, her peak, she was married. She ended up having a child. And all this came later in life, later than she thought she was going to have these experiences, so much so that she was feeling like, well, it's not going to happen for me, and I just have to accept life as it is. And then it happened to her. She got married. She found the love of her life, quote, unquote. She got married to him. They they had this child together and she is successful and she was having so many business opportunities. She was a talk show host for her own talk show for just a, probably just a season, one season long. And she was on this show talking about you can have it all. And literally probably like a week later, everything just fell apart <laughs> in front of us. Right, like we hear shortly thereafter, her marriage was really this this sham. Like it was a real marriage, but the guy that she was saying is her love of her life, and who's this great guy, ended up being a monster. Um, he ended up demonstrating some narcissistic characteristics, and she endured this years long I think they're still legally married he just would not let her go and divorce her or grant her a divorce and it just was what it was for years and they had this custody battle and you just could tell that like life wasn't as she was demonstrating it was and it just got me to thinking about like you know, if we're more honest with each other and with ourselves, then we can really live a life of, of peace. You know, if we just admit that, hey, no, you can't. <laughs> you can't have it all. Or one area of your life may suffer while another area may thrive, right? Or there's going to be some imbalance here and there during different seasons of your life you know, or throughout the years or, or within a year, right? So maybe during the winter months, you have more downtime and you get to spend that downtime with your family. But maybe during the spring and summer season, 
you are not with your family as much because that's goal crunch time and you got to prepare for the winter to have that downtime. So you always got to be at work. And yeah, it's just nothing is as it seems. Perfection is a lie. And security is a lie. It's a lie. You know, you just had Don Lemon just today talking about he got fired and he's stunned. I am stunned. I spent 17 years working at CNN and I'm stunned. And I think this was like a long time coming. There's been rumors of this hap- this about to be happening or this coming into fruition because he's just been like out of control. There's been so many reports of him doing under the table caddy stuff. Um, his comments a few months ago about women being uh, not in their prime. And though scientifically, I understand what he means by that, right? Like, and that's just like a touchy subject because I understand, you know, women and not wanting to accept the reality of a biological clock. And yes, there are so many examples, sure, of women who defied biological clocks and was able to have children much later in life. But that's because many times those women have access to those resources. IVF is not free. You know, a lot of people like be on these reality shows talking about, oh, I'm going to freeze my eggs and I'm going to go through IVF and I'm just going to have these embryos sitting in my freezer for whenever I want to pop one in and get pregnant. That is a process that is expensive. Like, (laughs) that's not something that you just easily have access to for the, the regular Jane in this society who works a nine-to-five job making $60,000 a year. The process is expensive and it's not guaranteed, so the money that you spend on the first round may not result into anything. So what what I mean by that is you have a lot of these women getting so upset with those conversations and not being your prime. Look, I don't really like Don Lemon like that, but I just, I didn't think that was enough for him to be ridiculed. But considering that we live in a society in which some topics are so sensitive and so safeguarded that you can't even tread on them, I'm not even surprised. But I just think it's unfortunate that that was not um, considered... um, just something to explore. But no, I say that to say he's working this job. You know, he, you know, sometimes with people, you know, with employees, we think that, oh, well, I've spent so many years at this employment, at this work of employment (laughs) or whatever, but at, at this place of employment, just to get laid off, just to get fired, just to, not be considered for a promotion and I've given you so much time I've given you so much of my of my energy I've spent 17 years here honestly that's why I just have this approach of man fuck 
that. <laughs> no, fuck that. Because here's the thing. Things go on, right? You know, so when you're not in one day, right? If you're absent from work, if you are not performing to the to the fullest of your ability, quickly they can and will find someone to replace you, right? Or if or if, even if you are performing to the, your fullest, I guess my point is like you could perform so well, you could be doing your job to the, to the T, and still be disregarded, while the next person could be working very minimally, and get more recognition than you, get more opportunities than you at that place of employment. And you're just like, you know what, what am I doing this for? I think there's a place, I think there's um, a loss of, of ambition that happens at the workplace because of things like that. So loyalty to whom, right? Like you, you shouldn't be loyal to, to work. You know, you should be loyal to yourself. You should be loyal to what makes you happy, what can keep you true to yourself and not in a compromising situations with your with your value and with what you're you're standing on. Anyway, Beef is a great show, y'all. I I, I wanted this whole tangent. It's a really great show. No, I bring up the false sense of security because she as rich as she is, she was so miserable in her line of work. And she felt like she wasn't there enough to just up and leave. She was, she kept moving the totem pole of, like you would think someone who's, it doesn't, it didn't disclose, it didn't disclose exactly how much she was making currently, but there was a scene in which she talks about wanting to get was it five million in a deal that would leave her to not have to work anymore and she'll just be sitting on that money and that will be it I don't I don't remember um if it was five million or 50 either way she she had this number in her mind and that she said out loud in the scene that made it seem like this is the comfort number. This is the number that will do wonders. And this is, this will be the number that retires me just for it to like, like, it's so arbitrary. That's the point that I make. It's so arbitrary. Like, like what is, what is a number? You know, like what, what are we, what are we saying right now? You know, like, Ooh, 10 and one. Sure. There are some strong differences, I guess, but like, we, we put so much meaning to these things that, like, these aren't real things. You see what I'm saying? Like, we, we create these ideas of this is security. This is when I'm fulfilled. This is when I'm happy. This is when things will be just fine. And yet they're not, right? Like, and yet you could reach that point of, of financial security, quote-unquote, and sure, it's great to have money, right? I'm not, I'm not discounting 
the purpose of money. But I think I'm just discounting this idea of security in things that aren't real, but we have determined them to be real in our minds. Now, look, there was a point when she said in this, in this, um, in one of the episodes, she was like, because so she didn't come from money, but her husband did. Cause I said he, he comes from this very art rich family. His family made money from art and was very well known and just very, very rich. And the husband would say things like, you always talk about money. Why do you always talk about money? Money isn't everything. Like, let's just, like, relax, you know? He has this very laissez-faire type of approach when it comes to money and finances and all of that. Yet, as for her, she is so relentless when it comes to making money and working all the time. And this is the amount that I will retire. I'm not settling for anything less. And so she said, you know, it's so funny how people who grew up with money are quick to say money doesn't matter. As for me, it does because I didn't have much money when I was growing up. So and this is her character saying that. And, you know, I, I think that's so true because I feel like we are, you know, like we're conditioned to feel one way about money. You know, money is the root of all evil, right? And it's like, I don't know, right? <laughs> I, when I think about myself, right, me, myself, and I, I think about like I would like to have at least this amount to feel comfortable, and I'm not even talking, and I don't even want to say I'm not even talking big because, like, I don't want to, like, shortchange myself. But my point is I want more than what I have. That's what that's my point. And I want more than what I have because what I have is not creating this sense of comfort for my life. So when I think about like, oh, well, you know, money isn't everything. It's like, but yes, it is, though, right? I don't I feel like I'm contradicting myself, but it's a lot to unpack here because though on one hand, money, sure, it isn't everything, right? I get that on a philosophical, spiritual, mushroom type of way, but it does bring some level of peace if your life has been considerably strained because of the lack of money. So that's the, that's, that's the distinction I want to make because I think sometimes we are, we're so quick to dismiss how money can solve problems. It can. I know money's the root of all evil and, you know, more money, more problems, all these sayings that we stick to, that we're so loyal to saying, but it's like, shut the fuck up. No, having an extra amount of, let's say 3,000 just sitting in your checking account is a good feeling and will relieve some stress, right? Instead of living paycheck to paycheck or um, trying to stretch the $50 that you have left until next Friday. Like, 
and you know figuring out gas and making sure you make your credit card payments in time like those things really add on a layer of stress that makes you wonder you know like what the fuck (laughs) is this all that there is you know especially when we have this credit score system you know that really could limit our opportunities in this thing called life, right? So if your credit score is at a particular level that is considerably low, you are paying more for that. And what I mean by that is you're basically being charged for being poor (laughs) or you're being charged extra for poor financial management people like to say sometimes you're not poor you just you don't you you don't know how to manage your money well no no I'm not making enough (laughs) that's the answer I remember I had a friend who she was kind of bad-mouthing a mutual friend of ours because she so friend a was saying about friend b oh, you know, this friend B didn't move, like, she moved into her new place, but she still hasn't decorated her apartment. It's still kind of like she just moved in. And I'm saying in the conversation, I'm like, to friend A, I'm like, oh, well, you know, she's probably still just kind of settling in, whatever. And then so friend A says, well, it's looking like she doesn't know how to manage her money. And I just was so turned off by that comment because first of all it's not that simple people think like oh no you just don't know how to save you no like people have these different expenses that is more than what they make and i i I feel like i'm hearing some responses right now from y'all saying oh well that means she has too many expenses no that means she's not getting paid enough (laughs) That's my mindset. And sure, there are cases in which, okay, maybe you weren't as financially responsible here or there, but, like, we find ourselves in situations in which, no, I'm making considerably enough money, but it's not enough in this time and space that we're in. And it's not enough if I am living in a space alone in which I am carrying the burden. So, like, that friend, she was living alone. You know, it's not like she has a roommate or or she was living with her parents or, you know what I mean? Like, so that adds on a heavier set of burdens to to bear. So it's not, it's not this easy response of, oh, she doesn't know how to manage her money. It's like, it just sounded so judgmental, very judgy. I just like, oh, this bitch, you know? Anyway, so we're not friends anymore, so (laughs) whatever. But Beef is a great show, you guys. Please, I just want to talk about it. Maybe I'll find a community on Reddit about it because, man, when I tell you I was binging it until 12, and I'm like, okay, I got to go to sleep. I got to go to sleep. And I had, like, three more episodes left, so I just was looking forward to that the following day, and I finished it. In two days. And if you really want to calculate it, probably like 20 hours, okay? 16 hours, maybe. But it's an amazing show. Each episode ends 
off with a bang that leads you into wanting to see wait how does it how does it turn up next episode how you know what happens in the next what happens in the next you know it's just so well done the acting and I actually do appreciate seeing an all Asian cast with the exception of course of a white woman you have to have a white character at some point but it was lovely to see an all Asian cast it was lovely to see the different types of Asians there were Japanese Asians there were Vietnamese Asians, they were Korean Asians. I don't think they were Chinese, though, which is interesting. I don't think they were Chinese. I do not think they were Chinese Asians. But nonetheless, they were, well, were they Indian Asians? Nah, we didn't go to the South. <laughs> we, we didn't go. That's a little too brown for us. Let's hold off. Let's hold off. It's not Bollywood, okay? But it was just lovely to see that. It was lovely to see them exchanging um, their native tongue language so but you you see that more from their parents so the parents of the characters were speaking whether what was it korean or japanese oh i really enjoyed that show I, i wish i could like relive it i know i could obviously watch it again but like I wish I could, like, go back to me watching it for the first time. It, it was really, really good. I definitely recommend. <sighs> wow. It was just so beautiful. And, I and oh, there's another part where, I mean, it's not really much of a spoiler. So I didn't give a spoiler warning. But in case you feel like it is, you might want to just, <laughs> I don't know, take a pause. But let me just say this one last thing, and then we'll move on. She talks about depression. Okay, yeah, I talked about depression earlier. But I didn't talk about the fact that she and another character, they connect. They find themselves realizing that, hey, we have more in common than we than we realize. Like, we actually suffer from depression than what we're willing to accept. And they were just connecting on so many different levels. They were talking about life and fleeting of emotions and what's the point of it all. And... and finding refuge and what is refuge and it was just so beautiful seeing them unpack these thoughts and it was so interesting how that moment came when they were in the woods or like in the mountains lost and they ended up eating something from the grass that they thought was edelberries but it ended up being something that had some psychotic effect. It was something that was tripping them out. So I wonder what type of fruit it was. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. But it was something that was tripping them out so much so that it made them so open and so, so cerebral. Like they were so in their heads that they were out of body at some point with each other like they were just connecting talking about life and they were and you could see them having these real conversations anyway prior to them getting to that trippy point but man it was just it was so good you guys I just feel so taken aback whenever I watch something that just that just takes me it takes me you know like it took me the show took me you know it took me to a place of of just realizations and 
you know, like you're not alone. And like so many different points of connections that you don't realize until you see it being played out. And when you see it being played out, it confirms that, hey, there are so many other people who have these same experiences, who feel like you're you're chasing this idea of success, but it keeps being pushed. It keeps being delayed. Or, you know, if it's not one thing, it's another. And why is this always happening to me? And, you know, why can't I ever catch the, catch a break? And... And so you you see different people from different points of life, right? This is male character, Danny, who is not doing too well financially. He's just making it work. He's living in a rundown apartment. But, hey, he's he's doing his best. But it's beating him. Like, it's beating him. Like, it's, it's hard, and he's battling with depression, right? And so, like, somebody like that, you could understand. I feel like instantly people quickly understand how someone like that could be depressed, right? But yet you have um, a successful businesswoman who's a wife and a mother living in this beautiful home that she designed and just have an infinite amount of money, yet she's depressed also, Yet she's battling with her emotions and she can't find ways to manage her rage. So she takes it out on the road and finds time to seek revenge. You know, so it's like, wait, how are you depressed? You have this big house. You have a husband. You have a cute kid. You have money. You have fancy clothes. But you're depressed? So you see the you see the the contrast in living but the similarity the strong similarity of this feeling of depression this this state cuz more than a feeling but this state of depression and feeling unfulfilled ultimately they both feel unfulfilled ultimately despite their attempts of feeling fulfilled or their their accomplishments that they've made and it still doesn't do anything to cure them from this depression and, and then finally they realize they are depressed you you see them come to that realization as they were connecting with each other and as they would talk to some other people other people will point out yeah you're depressed oh it, it just was oh man oh that took me, y'all. It took me. Please go watch it. It's 10 episodes on Netflix. It's called Beef Lamb Chops. <laughs> it's like, it's just called Beef. Oh. And I just, you know, beyond it being a predominantly Asian cast, everyone could connect to it, right? I think sometimes we, we you know, sometimes society may may hesitate on having a cast filled with only one specific ethnic group. But what people fail to realize, what some people fail to realize is this is a human experience. But yes, it's shown through a specific ethnic group, but despite them being Asian and you being a white person, you could definitely connect to this because this is a human experience. 
These are human feelings. These are human thoughts. These are just the experiences of humanity. Y'all, please go watch it. If, if, I, if I didn't convince you in these 43 minutes, <laughs> I hope you're convinced now because my God today, my God today. Let's talk about these reality show suicides that I just became aware of. I think I heard about them a while ago, but didn't realize the the pattern. I just came aware. I just became more aware of it. So anyway, these suicides of Love Island contestants and one of the hosts of the show. So Love Island is a show about these people, men and women who come together at this house and it's during the summertime and they go through these different challenges to find their love match. Um, they do these kissing challenges and then they decide who they want to match with and they stick around to the end. The show, I started watching it a year or two ago. Me and Freckles Bay used to watch it together, but then it became so, it just, it was too much. It was just so long and it came on multiple times in a week. It just, it was too much going on. They had these kissing challenges with these random people, and they're all random to each other, of course, but, like, and I'm sure, they're all very attractive, you know, and they, ooh, they're so hot, and why wouldn't you want to kiss a hot person? No, right after another, you got to kiss someone else, and then someone else, and then someone else. It was just so gross. Um, Anyway, so there are three suicides that took place from participants of Love Island. Now, what's interesting is these suicides are primarily from the Britain version of Love Island. So with Love Island, there's an American version and there's a UK version. And according to the article that I'm reading, this is only the UK version that have these suicides and it's so it's like specifically suicides so let's let's talk about them so Sophia Graydon she was the first contestant to commit to or to die by suicide um she was on Love Island and okay so let's start off with this so her stint on the reality show saw her first linked. So she was first linked on the show with a contestant named Tom Powell before she became involved with model Katie Salmon. So she was clearly bisexual and she was on the show in 2016 when she started being with Salmon, the woman, Katie Salmon. She was receiving a lot of backlash for it because, you know, oftentimes with us as viewers, we create these parasocial relationships with the people on TV. We think that we know them. We think that we are entitled to 
give them our strongest opinions about them and what they should do with their lives. And it's an emotional reaction. And it's sure. I feel like some of the blame could definitely be put on the viewers because we're so in tune with these contestants, but we fail to realize that they are real people. So this woman, she talks about, um, the impact of social media and how it was intense for her. She was victimized by cyber bullies and trolls online. She said, quote, it was horrific. I think when, when you get so many comments on the scale, we did coming out of thousands of followers. Sometimes I would look for it. There would be so many negative comment comments. They are commenting on the way you look, the way you talk, they would come up with an opinion of you on a TV show where they've watched you for 45 minutes. In that same year, Graydon hanged herself at her family home in Pontaland on June 20th. According to the inquest, according to an inquest, the 32-year-old took cocaine and alcohol and then killed herself. The situation turned even more tragic when her boyfriend, Aaron Armstrong, so she was with, like, multiple people i guess obviously um so she was but okay so on the show she was first paired with the man and then she paired herself with a woman she got a lot of backlash for that since leaving the show she was victimized online from cyber bullies and trolls online that affected her greatly so much so that it led to her taking cocaine and alcohol and her hanging herself from her family home. 20 days later, um, her boyfriend did the same thing. Her boyfriend took his own life. I don't know if he did the same thing by hanging himself, but he took his own life. Uh, she said in an exchange of messages with a male friend in the early hours of the day she died, she said, quote, struggling with the world. So that's one example, which is horrible. There's another example of another contestant named Mike Talasitis, which sounds like a disease. Rest in peace, though. He committed, he, di- he died by suicide. He, um, so less than a year after the woman killed, her, killed herself, he died after consuming cocaine and alcohol he hung himself also so literally in the same event same same way of doing so in the same manner that's the what i was looking for in the same manner he he died by suicide and he actually left a suicide note um but he did it at a park near his home child uh he said that he was grieving the death of his 94 year old grandmother and was facing mounting debts before his death Oof, 26 with the mounting debts that's interesting however i mean i guess student loans right um however critics went on at the producer of the reality tv show for not being able to take ample care of their contestants and next we have Caroline Flack, who was the host at the time of Love Island, and I guess 
I think, yeah, I think they're all specifically for the British version of Love Island. So she was on record saying it's so dangerous for people to blame a TV show and it's not right to point the blame. And she was very vocal about her being against people blaming the show for it. And that is not fair to point the blame. And literally just a few days after she said that quote, she died by suicide. Y'all, I wish I could make this up. It's just so interesting. She um, died by suicide. She was a victim of... Actually, no, hold on. So the 40-year-old had been associated with Love Island since the show went on air in 2015. However, many have criticized the way ITV unceremoniously dropped her after she was charged with assaulting her boyfriend, Louis Burton, last year. Flack denied the charge and was scheduled to stand trial next month. The sixth season of the show, which is currently airing. Oh, this is older article. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to find it. Um... I don't think it tells us exactly how she killed herself, but I just find it very interesting. And then there's a point in the sh- going back to beef real quick, going back to beef. One, of, I'm not gonna say who, but one of the characters was trying to kill himself. He was trying to kill himself. He, he just was so overwhelmed with just the ways of the world. And he felt like there was no other way. And so he's in his room and he's, <laughs> I'm laughing about it because it's kind of funny. It's kind of, I mean, thankfully he didn't kill himself. It's a character, right? It's not real. But the point is, he was like looking up ways, how to kill yourself without hurting yourself. (laughs) And then he realized, you know what? I don't want to do this. (laughs) And then he got up and was like, yeah, this ain't it. And he decides to live again. But I think it, it, I find it interesting because, you know, we get so caught up in, just the heaviness of whatever is going on right now, right now, right now, you know, right now I can't find another job right now. My account looks like this right now. I've been wanting this, but it's been this, you know, we have these reasons that we could create in our mind as to why we're so stressed and so bummed out and there's no other way. And we might as well. Right. But don't, but don't, you know, and I just, I, th- I think sometimes we, you know, our mind plays tricks on us. Our mind makes us think that this is the best solution because, hey, it isn't working out, right? Hey, no one has called you back yet, right, for that job opportunity, and you're gonna stuck, you're gonna find yourself stuck at this job. You, <laughs> we get so caught up in that. And our brain is funny because our brain thinks in a way that is about survival, right? So if you're feeling so lost and stressed and you keep telling yourself that more and more to add on to whatever it is already is, our brain will adopt that and give you reasons or give you ammo, you know, no pun intended, to go about with that pursuit of of suicide. So, ooh, child. 
But um, so that was the Love and Love Island edition. Let's talk about the Love Is Blind edition, though. Okay, so Danielle from season two of Love Is Blind. Now I forgot about her. I at least I forgot her name. But child, once I clicked the article, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. this is her. I remember her. <laughs> so in case you forgot her name too, just type in Danielle season two Love Is Blind, and you'll know who I'm talking about. Because I remember the season. I think this was the first season I watched. Yeah, season two. I didn't watch season one. And I think I'll maybe I'll eventually watch season one just to kind of see the context. And obviously I know that that black woman and white guy couple, they're they're like this like poster child of the show or poster couple of the show. But anyway, Love is Blind season two, Danielle, she was a trip. And I, I remember watching it in lifetime and feeling something is off about her and not off in a judgmental way, but just off in a she's unwell type of way. Like something about her was just always riddled with anxiety and these intrusive thoughts and this, I think people are so quick to say, Oh, it's low self-esteem is low self-esteem. And it's like, First, I feel like that's offensive, too. Like, not everyone who's depressed has low self-esteem. <laughs> like, I don't think that's that's one of the other. Like, that's not – it doesn't have to be a, a two-package deal or a package deal. Like, that's not – that's so silly to me. Like, depression is literally a chemical balance, a, ke- a chemical imbalance. It has nothing to do with being, I don't know. So, yeah, so she was, um, she just, she demonstrated a lot of anxiety and these, just these strange moments throughout the show. Come to find out that she had several panic attacks while on the show. She disclosed to the producers as she was being interviewed of moments when she actively attempted to take her own life. So she had several suicidal attempts and yet they still thought it was acceptable for her to be on this show. Now, Though these shows say, oh, we do screening and we do these evaluative tests to, to, um, you know, ensure the stability of these care of these people. I feel like that's a lie. Like, it's not true. You know, you have these contestants who are batshit crazy. Like, no, like literally unstable, mentally unwell, unstable, um, clinically unwell and have not received the proper treatment and care to navigate life with said illness. And now you have this woman here who was very transparent about previous suicidal attempts, attempts at that, you know, multiple at that and feeling and experiencing heavy panic attacks severe panic attacks during filming yet she was not taken care of properly 
And there is a fee that these contestants, these participants have to face if they were to leave the show earlier than they're contractually obligated, right? So, like, I wonder with character, like, you know, different cast members who I've seen on reality shows, whether it's Married at First Sight or Love is Blind or Love Island, who left earlier than they quote-unquote should have, they probably had to pay a cost for that. So Danielle said, her last name is Rule, R-U-H-L. Rule added that she also suffered a severe panic attack during filming, which she said left her hiding in a closet with suicidal thoughts. After sharing that she wanted to stop filming and go home because of the situation, she claimed producers stepped in to convince her to stay, but no therapist was provided to assist. Quote, after filming, I was in such a dark place that it not only impacted Nick, but every single person that cares about me, she said, noting that when she finished filming, she checked herself into an outpatient trauma therapy facility and is, quote, still struggling today, end quote, from her experience on the show. Now, you have to understand what Love is Blind is a psychological game because they are in these pods. They don't see the other person that they're speaking to. They only hear their voice. And they spend, like, we don't know, like, they're not logical, or no, they're not, not the word, not, um, they're not straightforward of how much time they spend in the pods with each person, right? But according to reports that I've read, they spend, they have to spend hours with the people who they talk to in the pods. They have to build this relationship that is, strenuous right it takes a lot of energy to be with someone for 15 hours eight hours a day right like it's a job you gotta clock in to work and have these long conversations have these engagements and it's very grueling it's very grueling and sure it's quote-unquote what you sign up for but when all of those intricate details aren't revealed as we're watching. It creates this fantasy of, wow, look, they found love. I could do it too, right? And then it encourages people to want to apply and be a part of the process. Yet, if people were more transparent, this goes back to the whole idea of you can have it all. Like, no, you can't. Um, If people were more transparent, then people can make sound decisions that aren't built off of a lie. So, yeah, I just think it's um, the psychological warfare that she experienced, that many of the participants experienced, especially if you're already mentally unwell. And it's unfair. And then also I've heard that, you know, they live in these, like, okay, the way that we see the show, right, they're in this, ooh, this aesthetically pleasing home and the kitchen is so modernized and look at this nice comfy couch. But they're in bunk beds, <laughs> right? Like, and who knows how comfortable the bunk beds are. We see them always in blankets. 
that's because the heat isn't on half of the time, according to a report that I read. That's because they're like they're not doing well. And I wonder how often do they get to eat? Are they only cooking for themselves? Or is their catering given to them? It's just I feel like it's a trap. I, I would I I would not be able to do any of those things. And even like watching Big Brother. I used to watch Big Brother a lot consistently, consecutively, every season I watched it for years growing up. And I haven't watched it in I had I haven't the last season, I don't think I yeah, I didn't watch the last season of the season before that. The last season I remember watching was when it was at all was when that black guy won and it was the first black winner of big brother. And that was a pretty cool season. But when I think about big brother, you have contestants going through these grueling activities and challenges and creating alliances with each other. And, you know, don't know if who's your friend or who's not your friend, who's talking about you, who's not talking about you. And, there's some weeks or days that you have to experience the, the, like the bad room. And by bad, I mean like, oh, the room with the uncomfortable cots to live in or the room or the, you know, the group, of, if you're a part of the group who got the, the lowest score on something, that means you only eat slop for that week. And slop could be like whatever, like any nasty thing that you have to eat. And I don't know if it's only for us to see, but I feel like it's it's really legitimately nasty things for them to um, to eat, regardless if we see it or not, regardless of what they show on the main camera. But you know, anyways, you have all these shows that that's the that's the cost that you have to pay. Unfortunately, you are being exploited. Your misery, the anxiety attacks, the panic attacks the depressive outbursts, the the angry outbursts, the you know, the love making, the the false perception of you, right? Maybe you had a great connection with one person, but you realize you have a greater connection with someone else and you pursue that other connection, yet the viewers who have this parasocial relationship with you are so upset with you deciding to move on to someone new that they're sending you hate mail, they're making you feel unsafe. And that's just the bullet that you have to take as a reality star. You know, like you are subjected to people's reviews. You know, as much of a flack that we all gave um, Jackie from Love is Blind this last season, there is a lot of angst that she probably experienced just being on the show and deciding to do what was best for her. Now, I don't want to look, I'm not condoning her. I did not like how she behaved and acted at all in and outside of the show. But again, there is this limit that is consistently crossed as viewers of reality shows thinking that we are within our rights to go out of our way to spew hate and dangerous rhetoric towards real people who we don't know personally 
and thinking that it's okay, right? And then we have these reviews, right? Like we talk about on podcasts, we talk about it on, you know, these YouTube videos, and that's literally the currency, the new wave of currency that is what it is currently, and it's just, I don't know, it's the way of the world. I just think ultimately if you're going to be on these shows, like it's not the and it should be right it should be the responsibility of producers to want to protect the the stars the cast of the show but ultimately their job is to make sure they have a job right their job is to make sure there's another season so that they get paid and what guarantees another season is people who are disruptive you know people who are dramatic people who will give you a show and who are genuinely like that because as viewers we could tell when someone's faking it and we could tell when someone's oh no this person's that shit crazy right so if they happen to find someone who has had unfortunately experiences of suicidal attempts oh perfect this is a great contestant this person gonna give us drama this person this person's going to give us real moments real raw uncut moments and it's like sure on one respect you can have many people who could connect with her and could show her some support but that may still feel but on the other hand that person is going through a a psychological warfare and we're just watching her unravel for our entertainment Yeah, I guess that's just how this world is, right? Like, if you go back to the days of slavery, you had many black women and black men in positions in which they were seen as the show. They had to perform or they had to stand and be ridiculed, and that was the white person's form of entertainment, right? So, like, you had black men having to fight each other, this bucking um, event for the pleasure of the white slave masters to see them and put their bet on them. Like, oh, I got my money on this nigga. I got my money on that nigga, right? And so while the two black men are fighting for their lives and having to subject themselves to this this degrading event, they are experiencing more just examples of what mental trauma looks like, yet having no choice but to still go about and do it because they're enslaved, right? And this is the entertainment. This is the the joy of the white slave master and other white people in that area. Anyway, that was the episode. Um, <laughs> good talk. Thank you so much for listening. Again, please go watch Beef on Netflix and let's talk about it. Um, make sure you are subscribed to our YouTube channel. Just type in God Built This podcast and you'll see the channel. Just click subscribe and click the notification bell for notifications of new videos. If you like this content, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash godbuiltthis in which you will have access to exclusive episodes of this show. 
And that is all, Paul. Thank you so much for listening. And I will check in with you all next time. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of God Built This Podcast with your host, Maxine. If you liked it, leave a review, share, and subscribe. God bless.